evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with my co-host for this evening, John Brightman. How are you, John? Good. What's going on, buddy? Not much, not much. Uh, just keeping keeping busy. How about yourself? Uh, same thing here. Keeping busy. That's all you can do. And uh, we are here broadcasting live on WBSM. We're here to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. And we are broadcasting live not only on WBSM, but also on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and at YouTube.com slash SpookySouthCoast. So if you are sitting at home and you want to throw it up on your smart TV on YouTube, or maybe you want to watch us on your mobile phone device. I know it's kind of funny to say watch us on your phone, but you can do that. Um, the show is, you know, we, we start at 10 o'clock, but... Here on WBSM, I just I kind of have to explain this for some of the new folks that are uh, tuning in for the first time tonight. Here on WBSM, we run the news at the top of the hour, and then we have some commercials that have to run each hour. Now, we're supposed to mix those commercials through the course of the program, but because we look at Spooky South Coast as kind of a podcast on the radio type format, and really it's because I'm lazy and I don't want to have to do all the editing <laughs> after the show to pull the commercials out for the podcast. We play the commercials at the start of each hour. So it will take a little bit longer to see this stuff going on. We can't take what's on the radio and feed it out over the YouTube stream during that time because some of the commercials use licensed music and we don't have the rights to, to put some of that stuff out on YouTube. So what will end up happening is YouTube will flag the video. So in order to avoid all that, we usually just have a static screen up there during the commercials and the news. But today, we thought we would change things up a little bit, and we, we let people see inside the studio a little bit while we were going on. I was actually going to turn the microphones on so that we could talk to the, the cameras and talk to the people in the chat room at Spooky TV. But then the concern was, well, if they still play something over the – because when we turn – that stuff off. There's a speaker in the studio that comes on a monitor, and that monitor would play the licensed music, and YouTube would still flag the video. So, so it would get shut down. There's so many little nuanced things to, to being able to do this show the way that we do it. That if we're not careful, you know, we could have, and we don't want to have it get to that point where you know all of a sudden YouTube's flagging all of our videos and they're telling us we can't post videos anymore. Or, we can't go live. So that's uh, just a little bit of an inside explanation as to how some of all that works. Just so the people understand we're not ignoring you we're not starting late to annoy you you know for the most part it used to be Biz that we were business has to be taken care right. of right it used to be we were starting late because we were just terrible about starting on time we were always we trying were to here set early. stuff up you remember the old days when we used to have to like put each camera everything out. was set up before the show and then broken down after the show now at least it all stays here so it makes it a little bit easier but um so tonight i was thinking I, I, I don't want to turn this show, I just want to put this out there, I don't want to turn this show into night six of Midnight in the Desert, I don't want to turn this show into a, a promotional program to get people to listen to Midnight in the Desert, although I would appreciate it if you did, and if you would subscribe and become a time traveler, uh, but one thing that people have been missing in this first week of, of me at the helm of Midnight in the Desert is the ability to take phone calls. And I asked people what they would like to see come back to that show. And almost overwhelmingly, you know, well, the number one thing is people want Art Bell's bumper music to come back. That's not going to happen. First of all, it's not going to happen because the ASCAP and BMI fees are extremely expensive. So you have to pay money in order to stream that music. And then you have to cut that music out of the podcast because, and listen to me very carefully when I say this, 
no music license allows you to podcast that music. Really? It's illegal. Well, because they're selling those tracks online. Yeah, yes. Okay. So why would they want you to be able to take a bunch of songs and put it out in your podcast? That's why there's no podcast of people that are like, here, listen to my you know, flashback 80s music show, because you can't put the music in the podcast. So in order to, to then take all that we have to go and spend extra time cutting all that up which take means it takes longer to get the show out to people Mm. uh when they want to get it as a subscriber as a time traveler so it's just not worth it and and i know that dave felt the same way as me when when he was hosting the show and and i know that uh you know we've had the conversation with keith and michelle before there's no point in spending all the money for 30 seconds of music yeah that if you're listening to the show and you're enthralled in the show you actually will start to say, oh, gee, "Hurry up and get the song over, so we can get back into the conversation." So it's just it's 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 a waste of time, it's a waste of money. It was a completely different thing with Art Bell because that bumper music was run and it was run so long because he was syndicated. It was him. So as it's going out to all these different networks, that's what would allow them to start being able to run the commercials. And those days, it probably wasn't even automated. They probably had some guy sitting in a studio overnight that is falling asleep or you know, watching TV in the other room or taking a leak. And then when he hears that music start, he knows he has to run back into the studio to play the commercials. So that kind of thing is somewhat outdated mm-hmm. now. And and it did set a, f- a feel for the show. I completely agree with that. I completely understand. It's just, it's one of those things that as time marches on and progresses, that's one of the things that we kind of lose in the process. So, and I say that here on WBSM where the, the regular local talk hosts play like four minutes of music. And I tell them all the time, like, you're not supposed to play it for that long, but whatever. So that's that's the number one thing people were talking about. But a very close second was open lines. People want to be able to talk about paranormal topics or about any of the topics that we discuss on that show. We've always had the phone lines open here. Every show, we have the ability to take phone calls. And there's been times when we've tried to do open line shows to say, you know, people have been calling in. They've been calling in about things that aren't related to the topic that we've had with the guest. So we want to maybe set aside a night where we can just let people call in. And inevitably, those are the nights when nobody calls. So I thought we would take a chance tonight and throw the phone lines open for all the Midnight in the Desert people that want to call in and talk to me and maybe talk a little bit about, find out about me or share some of their own experiences or what have you. The reason why we can't do that on Midnight yet, and we will, it's just that the phones, are everything to, to run the phone calls is being shipped to me. And then once it gets here, I have to set it all up and perfect it, set all the sound levels and all that kind of stuff. And on top of that, there's other things that I have to take over for the show before we even incorporate that into the mix. So it's going to be, we're doing it very slowly so that I'm not rushed into anything and I miss anything. Uh, and, And most people don't realize that, hopefully, when they're listening to the product, they think, hey, it sounds just like it always has. That's the goal. So we don't want to have it be like, you know, the, I missed the theme song. A big change. Or, or we didn't play this or we didn't do that. You know, like we want it to be as smooth as possible so that it's it's as professional as it can be. That being said, tonight we will have the phone lines open throughout the course of the show. 508-996-0500, Those are right there at uh, uh, SpookySouthCoast.com if you need the numbers or we'll keep 
putting them in the chat room through uh, the chat room too as well throughout the course of the night. Hi to everybody in the chat room. I see that we have a lot of first-time people uh, who are coming to joining us. I see we have a lot of um, regular folks in there too. Going to do our best to monitor as much as we can. If you have a question that you want to submit via the chat room, do us a favor and put it in all caps if you can. That's how we know that it's a question to go out over the air. And then uh, we'll, we'll take your phone calls as well. We also have a couple paranormal-related topics that we're going to talk about tonight too because there's been a couple of things that happened this week um, in, the, in, the, in the world of the paranormal that I think we need to address. And we will get into that. And then also... Um, so, this show has never shied away from some controversy in the paranormal <laughs> world. We have always spoke our minds, and we have no problem doing that. So, I just want people to understand that, you know, that's, that's this, is, this is a, I hate the term safe place, but this is a safe place to call in and vent, uh, and call in and share your opinions. And if you disagree with what it is that we have to say about some of these topics, Go ahead and call in and argue with us. We are not going to fight you on it. Uh, we we can debate back and forth, but you know one of the things that we'll be talking about a little bit later on is Steve Huff, and we've talked about Steve Huff on this show before. We've talked about how you know it's our belief that he is creating these fraudulent videos where he's claiming to contact dead celebrities. This past week, he claimed to have uh, spoken to Kobe Bryant, and. It's just, you know, it's to the point now where every time a celebrity dies, we expect it. So I am very adamant that Steve Huff doing this is a negative for everybody that is interested in paranormal research. Because I feel like it, if you look at who follows his work on YouTube, it's not paranormal people. It's not people who are savvy about this. It's regular, common, everyday folks who believe that he's doing something magical here, that he's communicating with the dead. But there's also people that strongly disagree with what it is that he does, that think that he's a total scam artist, that aren't paranormal people, that are just regular, everyday people that will you know, want to blast him for taking advantage of people that are in mourning and taking advantage of people's grief and all that. But you'll never see that on any of his videos because he blocks them. He, he blocks them and deletes the comments. Yep. You will never see a negative comment under, see, if you're going to do that, you have to be a little bit savvy and allow a few of those to come in yeah. so that it doesn't look like you're blocking them. But when every single comment is overwhelmingly positive, everybody catches on pretty quickly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious that, you know, there's some people out there that just don't believe what he's doing and, Soon as, like you said, soon as you call him out, he just blocks it. Yep, and and I can't even see anything on Facebook because he blocked me. Oh, really? Yeah, I can see his YouTube videos. See, I'm I'm not blocked on Facebook from him, but I've never commented on one of his things. So, but the 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 thing that people will say is, well, you know, he's not really hurting you. You should just let him do his thing, and he'll it'll eventually blow up in his face. No, because he is. He might not be physically hurting me or you or anybody else, but he's portraying something that isn't true and isn't happening and trying to take advantage of other people to make himself famous. And so what, uh, but what he's doing too is if he has all those people that think that what he's doing is fraudulent and even though we can't see their comments on the videos, but if he has all those people and they don't understand how any of this stuff works, mm -hmm. 
then they're going to think that everybody that does this is a fraud. Yep. So when I say, hey, I think we found this pretty interesting piece of research and this new tool that we have that, uh, you know, could possibly be spirit communication and we need to kind of explore this a little bit more, they're instantly going to say, well, that guy's full of it because I've seen those Steve Huff videos and they're as fake as the day is long. So if that's the case, then this guy's just another paranormal huckster. And I've tried to spend the last 14 years building a reputation of people not thinking that. But if, if, if you're following him and talking with listen, him, people think it. If there's anything that I'm a shill for, it's history. Like, that's why I do a lot of the stuff that I do. It's because I'm trying to help keep history alive. And so that means if we can do a ghost event to go and help a historical heritage museum that wouldn't normally make any money or make very little money, like the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, yeah. you know, a place that is dependent on some of the money that we bring in every year with our events. Now, all of a sudden, somebody's going to say, well... This Weisberg guy is a fraud, which means everybody that's paying money to go and take part in those events is probably being duped. And, you know, and then now that's going to take money out of the Wareham Historical Society's bank account to help them keep history alive in my own town. So <laughs> that's where I see it as being a problem. It's what it does is it negatively reflects on everybody else. Yep. It, the same reason why any doctor that when you go and see a doctor and you're like, <clears throat> I think I have a cough. And he's like, well, here, take this opiate and you'll feel better. <laughs> and so now he is basically giving you this. I mean, it's going to get rid of your cough probably. Yeah. It's going to make you feel better, but it's irresponsible and it's wrong. Yep. So any other doctor that knew of this would feel morally obligated to stand up and say, and say that he shouldn't have given what he's you doing that. is wrong. Yep. And so that's kind of the position that we're in. Not that I'm calling us doctors, but, um, but no, but it, <laughs> I, I mean, it, I guess it, we could, we could throw out doctorates in this field if we absolutely, wanted to. Absolutely. But so that's where we'll go with some of that discussion uh, a little bit later on. And then also we are going to, uh, talk also about another accusation of fraud within the paranormal world a little bit we'll get into that later on uh let's just say it involves one of the guys who's probably on the travel channel right now it's funny because i was just talking about him with somebody earlier tonight like literally an hour before i got here i was talking to somebody about them because there's a new thing that he wants to buy tupac's car the one that he got shot in why not it, right hey just remember, every time somebody tunes into that show, you know, that's mm. only going to help increasing his money. So if he's taking some of that money and turning it into a museum that people that watch that show would want to go and see and enjoy, in a way, yeah. I, I guess that's, you know, there's, I, I don't see as, I certainly don't see a problem with that like I do with Steve Huff. You <laughs> no, know? no. It's not how I would spend my money. If I was spending my money on uh, that I was making from a television show that's not going to last forever, I would probably, you know, not stupidly just buy every trinket of uh, strange and unusual deaths or what have you. But, you know, it's his money. That's you what he what wants what to do with it. But it, it makes a good museum for people to go see. An interesting museum at that. Right. And the museum certainly does very well. So, yes. you know, that, that can be something that can be sustainable for a long time. But... 
what we're going to talk about has nothing to do with that aspect of things. But I will take some phone calls through to uh, 508-996-0500 is the number if you want to call in and be part of the program tonight. And let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Uh, Lamone, I already can't hear you. This is the worst phone you've ever had. Nope. Not doing it. Can't hear you. Now turn up your computer speakers, Lamone, and listen, and you will hear back how terrible that you just sounded, and you'll understand why I hung up on you. You gotta move a little closer to the to the. You gotta climb the tower again, like you did last week. <laughs> it's funny because I just said to you, John, before the show you started, did. "Oh, um, I hope Lamone will call again on that great phone that he had last week. It sounded so good, and and instantaneously, the, the only, first call, first the call. only reason I knew it was him was because." It was breaking up so badly. <laughs> so hopefully he can get to a place where he has better reception. But uh, then I have a feeling, too, that it'll turn into we're just going to keep testing his phone <laughs> each time it's he calls until much. it works. Uh, but again, 508-996-0500. It's all on the table. Anything paranormal that you want to talk about. Uh, because, you know, with, with Midnight in the Desert, the topics aren't exclusively paranormal. And we're certainly trying to make sure that we... Uh, expand the type of topics that we talk about on that show. But Spooky South Coast, paranormal is our bread and butter. So that's the kind of stuff that we talk about here. So if you've had experiences or if you've had questions or anything that you want to discuss with us and the audience, we welcome those calls. Let's see if this is probably Lamone again. Yeah. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. There. I sound a lot better now, don't So I? much better. See? All right. For chisel. So did you see this good news that Jimmy Groff was arrested possession of pound marijuana. Uh, you're already cutting out, but it sounded like you said Jimmy Garoppolo was arrested for possession of a pound of marijuana? Of five pounds of marijuana. Five pounds. Is this legitimate, yeah. or are you just... No, no, I'm saying that'll be a Super Bowl. I'm just... <laughs> that would be... Yeah, okay, I get it. All right, yeah, a Super Bowl. All right. Who do, who do you have in the game tomorrow, Lamone? Who's going to win? I, I, I usually pick the NFC because I'm like the you know, guy that represents the but I hate the 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're two of the most hated things in the world. So I'll, I'll, I'll go for the Chiefs. So like I said, I personally, I'm not riding both sides. So I'm, just, I'm not even much going to lie about that. So that's horrible. So did you see the picture I sent you? I did see the picture that you sent me. I'm going to show it to John during the break. Okay, I want you to tell me. You want you to think how much how much you see on the floor, and you both think whoever gets closest I, guess gets to get get what I said about. Okay, that. I will. You I would definitely guess. take a guess. We can't show the photo mad. on the stream. Okay, <laughs> so. I was Matt. I was Matt was there. Say he probably more than happy to jump on that. I bet you even Stephanie would be fine to jump on that too. Yeah, oh, yeah, you know, no, like, no. Yeah. Moniz would probably know right off the top of his head how much money that is, but he's he's under the weather tonight, and Stephanie's uh, she's traveling. Does this, this photo week, have so. to do with like? My you, friends' places? Yes. Oh, okay. You might even recognize yeah. the person in the photo, John. Oh, no. <laughs> knowing knowing uh, uh, how much know. you travel extensively. Yes. Well, when we were talking about Hamilton, when I went up to Canada, yeah. I had to stop and visit friends up there. Sure. There was one right near my hotel. So, Lamone, just real quick, because I have another call here. I, I got a question for you. You're our boots-on-the-ground guy in Las Vegas. What are you hearing? Is yeah. Tom Brady going to the Raiders? He had almost, I think, Thursday last week, not just Thursday, 
I, I, we're we're losing you, man. That's it's. I, I, fi- I figured if he was going to, they would say something about it earlier. But there's that possibility, and it's really sad because they, our their car bought a bought a house that's right by the owner's bought a house by the owner's house out here in Vegas. Wow. So that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. So I'm just hoping, you know, he's not a bad quarterback, but that would be kind of nice to see him there. And it's like you know they won't have a bang come to Vegas. Or yeah, like it would it would definitely give them some some uh, some attention. Exactly for sure. And this also this week on Monday, the We're we're losing you again, man. I'm gonna have to cut it short. We're, it was it was cutting out pretty bad. So. Uh, People in the chat are saying that the feed's freezing up. Yeah, it, it, they were saying it last week too. But I mean, I'm I'm on the internet and I I see everything moving pretty fine. I, I would say that if you're if you're watching the show and you're getting some slowdown and some lag in your video stream uh, or even some freezing, we broadcast at 1080. Because we have a lot of people that will watch the show at home on their big 4K TVs. Mm-hmm. So we broadcast the show in 1080. If you go to the little um, the little gear icon at the bottom of your YouTube screen and you click on that, that's for your settings. Uh, one of them will probably be uh, for the quality. You'll see that. You probably have it set for auto. Most people usually have it set for auto. So if that's the case in, in the 1080p is slowing down or freezing up your video, just try switching that to a lower quality, and you might find that it actually gives you far less problems. So, but we we do try to broadcast in the highest that our computers here can handle, because people are watching it on big 50-inch TVs, and you know they want they want to have it be as crystal clear as they can. So, and plus, you know, we pull clips for different things if we. If uh, television shows are interested in featuring some of the cases that we've talked about, you know, they might pull a clip from us or we, you know, they've done it for documentaries. So we try and make sure that we're putting that video out in the highest quality that we can. Eventually, we'll upgrade all of our computers here to be able to handle 4K too. But for right now, you know, 1080 is the highest we can go, but it might just be a little bit too high for your computer or for your, uh, for your internet. And, you know, the other thing too is the, where you are and, and the Wi-Fi that you're on and all that kind of stuff that can play into it too. So keep that in mind. All right, let's take another call here. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, Tim. Hey, John. How's it going? Good. How are Happy you? New Year. To you as well. So this is Anna. Hello. And, um, so. and, and uh, we have, we, I, it's been since Christmas since I saw you. I know. I know. It's, which, Life's been busy and hard. <laughs> which is actually, you know, with how long we have to go sometimes without getting to, to see each other, that's uh, it's not as bad of a stretch. This is true. I had, a, I had a surprise day off, so I was like, let me call in and say hi to my boys. Yeah, you barely ever have any time off. You have a worse schedule than I do. I do, I do. But see, I'm just talking to people on the radio. She's, like, helping to save lives and stuff, so that's far kind of, more That's more. kind of how I feel. It's kind of how I feel working in Brockton. When even if it's just passing somebody, I'm saving their life because they're probably sitting on the sidewalk doing nothing, anyways. Right, by having them be inside. Yes, they're better. Yes, they're staying warm. Uh, <laughs> if those of you who are from outside the area, just look up Brockton in a Google News search. You'll get the idea of what John's talking about pretty quickly. Uh, oh boy. So, well, I mean, we're, we've got it uh, open for a paranormal potpourri. Anything is on the table. But first, I want to ask you, Anna, as somebody who who is a paranormal investigator in your own right and somebody who has spent a lot of time 
trying to do this the right way. How do you feel about a guy like Steve Huff and, and the videos that he puts out? It, it, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't even bother watching them just because it's disrespectful to the families and disrespectful to the dead. And just it, it, it hurts me inside when people just do that because we try to do it right when we go on our, when we go on our investigations. We do it for the love of the locations and the respect for the spirits. And mm-hmm. and, it and, just hurts. And one of the things, I mean, you know, because you've been to this to this location multiple times with us, there's there's one place that allows us to conduct investigations and, and hold events, but there was a, a, a relatively recent suicide associated with this location, and the family does not want us to publicize if we communicate with the spirit of this person. And the same thing happens here with, you know, and I, I can I can say this part, here with Edaville, that whenever we uh, try to publicize that we have communicated with the spirit of Ellis Atwood, the Atwood family will start to send us angry letters and, and cease and desist and all that because they don't want anybody, you know, capitalizing on, on their relative's name as a way to, to kind of push some of these ghost events. So we try to be respectful in that regard to, to make sure that we're not sticking our thumb in wounds that are still fresh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true because you know, it's, it, every time you get a communication, it affects the living and you know, I mean, whether it reopens their, their pain or whether it like just, it'll bring some sort of emotion, whether it's love, pain, sadness, but it'll reopen some sort of wound and sometimes anger because, they weren't ready to let go. So, yeah, Steve Huff, it's, yeah, <laughs> I can't. I have no words to describe that. And, and and really, like, if if you were going to communicate with somebody, and, and so if, if I died tonight and yeah. I decided I was going to try to reach out from the other side, the last person that I would want to reach out and try and communicate with is the guy that people – are questioning whether or not he was real or not. Exactly. You know, and, and it's, it's one thing if you're going to tell me Kobe Bryant died and reached out to him. Uh, one of the first ones that got him in a lot of hot water was, uh, was um, Robin Williams because Robin Williams' daughter actually spoke out against him. Um, there, You know, some of these, like, Hollywood celebrities, okay, fine. But when you're talking in the, I think what really turned the paranormal community against him was when he was claiming to talk to the Constantinos, yeah. uh, which, you know, is still a very hard to talk about subject in the paranormal world. Uh, and then when Lorraine Warren died, he claimed that Lorraine Warren was reaching out to him. Of all people in the world, Steve Huff would be the last person Lorraine yeah. Warren would want to reach out and talk to because there are other people that she was far closer with that were doing the same thing that he does. Exactly. Exactly. So, but, right. you know, you, you can't teach class. <laughs> no. And he ha- and he does not have much, that's for sure. No. All right. Well, thank you very much for checking in with us and uh, glad You're that you welcome. could spend a, your rare night off with us. <laughs> hey, I'll be with you till the end, man. All right. Well, hopefully and we can last. And maybe I'll too. haunt you. <laughs> All right. Take care. Have a good <laughs> night. You guys have a good, a good spooky season. Bye. You, you too. Bye-bye. <laughs> it's funny. A friend of mine said uh, that I was talking to earlier today or tonight. She said, uh, if something ever happens to me, I'm coming back to haunt all of you. My family, my sister, every one of you. She's like, I'm done with you guys. Yeah, and and that's, you know, a common refrain in the paranormal community. But also, 
like we we say to ourselves, hey, on a serious note, if something happens to me, I'm going to try and reach out to you. Well, I, to- I told you the story about what happened about, about 2010 when I had my stroke, right? I don't know. Well, uh, there's probably people that don't know the story if you want to share so, it. So, yeah. So, it, it's kind of funny, but to obviously my family, they didn't find it funny. So, back in 2010, I was sitting at my job, and girl at the desk says, hey, what's wrong? My supervisor says, what's wrong with you? You feel all right? My cheek was kind of drooping. I guess my eye was drooping. She thought I was having, like, a stroke. So, I went to the hospital. Uh, long story short, I ended up having AFib, and my heart was out of rhythm. So they said, look, it's pretty bad. We're going to have to shut you completely down and basically just reshock your heart to get it back into rhythm. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And, you know, I wasn't worried about it. So got my grandparents standing there. The next morning, they kept me over the night. Next morning, my grandparents are standing there. My mother's standing there. Everybody's standing there, family members. And doctor comes in. He says, all right, we're going to do it. We're just going to put a little thing inside you. It's going to shut your heart down, stop you. It's like a fluid. And then we're just going to, zap you and bring you back i said look i said i'm a paranormal investigator any chance you can leave me out for two to three minutes like the movie <laughs> flatliners he just looked at me shook his head and walked out of the room and didn't talk to me <laughs> that's, that's, you could be brain dead in that amount of time yeah but think of what i could have seen or found for the community for the paranormal field it's like all of a sudden you know the 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 we're all going about our regular day nothing's happening and then suddenly all of our devices just come on instantaneously. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Who is this? It's just John. <laughs> it's just me. Just Brightman. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, if it did work and it did happen, you would have been the first person to, like, immediately text us afterwards and be like, did you get it? Did you get Did you record it? You didn't record it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hi. Um... Good, good show tonight so far. Thank you. Uh, I have a little bit of a uh, pet peeve, not with you, but with a certain type of, well, paranormal fakes or an investigator who is a faker. There's a person in the um, field of the uh, investigating Bigfoot, who I will not name. Okay. But... <laughs> Now, for good reason, well, that you don't. fairly well, fairly well known, and on his site, he has audio of different uh, recordings of Bigfoot that he has recorded in stereo. Very interesting. It sounds great until you listen to it with an intelligent ear. If you put on headphones and listen to it, I think it's the uh, on some of these recordings, just the right ear sounds like it was recorded in a recording studio perfect no sound no echo no nothing and the left ear sounds like it's yeah with echo with sound effects out in the woods or whatever else are muffled and whatever else combine the two together in mono and it sounds like a legit recording but you keep them separated channels left channel right channel and it doesn't it's obviously been put together and faked And I have talked to other hosts on other shows who will not be named. And they are there, and they're saying, well, no, he's well-known, and he's highly respected and everything else, so we're not going to believe you on this or whatever else. And it's like, it's so irritating because it's obviously, at least some of those recordings are obviously hoaxed. And that's just my rant on that. 
Well, we appreciate that. I mean, that certainly is suspect because even if you were recording, you know, even if you tried to say, uh, you know, we tried to isolate the the Bigfoot in one channel and tried to kind of pull that back so you could hear it, you'd still hear little uh, bits. There'd, there'd be some sort of remnants of that, of the original audio. It wouldn't be that clear because you wouldn't, there's no way that you would have had a microphone that would have been only pulling in that sound. No matter what, it would have been pulling in some of the ambient sound around it. So you would never be able to completely eliminate that and isolate the Bigfoot, even if that was something that you tried to do, you know, post-recording to try to make it stand out, at least the way that I understand the way that it would work. And I, I agree that you, I think that you are completely right on that. That it's just a, completely a suspect that the one channel is like, a, you know, it was done in a recording booth. It sounds so good. And the other one, the other channel, it's whatever, it's whatever echo and whatever else, like it was played in a room across the hall and you recorded it that way or whatever it was. But it's like, so that particular investigator, he does not have my uh, confidence at all. And so it's one of those things of like, you've got to really dig into this deeply to make sure that you don't have the, you know, I would love there to be a real case of real Bigfoot out there. I want the best evidence possible and I hate it when guys have to go around and play these shenanigans with the with the evidence and everything else. Right. So and this is there's multiple version uh, multiple instances of this happening or just one particular video? Uh no, there is uh there are several of these cases of these audios on the front page of his website. At least there was one that they were there when I last checked. It was someone's back. And they're and they're um, they're audio recordings that he claims that he personally captured. Right. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, if people don't, you know, if you just take everything at face value and you don't do a little bit more research and digging, yeah. I mean, you you're gonna get caught falling. I mean, we've seen so much fakery in the Bigfoot field over the years. Mm-hmm. I go back to you know we've we've had some instances here. Where we've, uh, you know, the still one of our most commented videos is when we had Tom Biscardi on, and it, it it the controversy never dies down with that. People are always forever posting under that and uh, talking about you know how he's a, a known hoaxer, and we had him on to defend himself for being accused of hoaxing that that Bigfoot in the freezer thing that happened, and, and he's blaming it on the other guys, the other two guys that were involved in it, and in the end, it turns out all three of them were guilty, but still. It's 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 been rampant for for decades, and I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Okay, well that's that rant for now. I'll leave you on for the other. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it for the other people to call in. All right. I could go on for ages on all kinds of other topics, but let somebody else have a chance. Sure, we'll do more open lines in the future. Thank you for the call. You're welcome. Bye. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. You are next on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, Tim. Oh, hello. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know. Um, listen, hon, uh, how long are you on for tonight? We are on till midnight. Oh, good. Um, can I ask you a couple of questions about intuition? Sure. Is that considered paranormal? I knew you were going to ask that. Why? I was just making a joke, <laughs> saying I use my intuition. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that some people would consider it to be paranormal because a lot of people would, would put that under the, the, the category of having psychic abilities. But to me, I think everybody has intuition, and I think it's a natural part of who we are. 
It's just that not everybody learns to pay attention to it or trusted enough to pay attention to us to it. And and if you do that, if you if you follow your intuition, the more you do that, the more reliable and stronger it'll become. So I think it's something that everybody has, but I think in terms of trying to research it and trying to quantify it and qualify it, people would probably put that under the, the banner of the paranormal. I um I get that every now and then and I when I go with it but it doesn't come all the time. How come Tim? I think that it's one of those things where it just if and it when it happens to you is it usually something important that you get it about or is it sometimes just dumb mundane stuff? No, it's important and in fact one time I it, I knew this was going to happen and it did. That's it was an intu- my intuition but I don't get it all the time. I think what it is is that it's because it's such an important thing, it's hitting you harder than normal. And if you there, – there's ways and techniques that you can teach yourself to be able to kind of tune yourself into the intuition a little bit more. Some people feel that actually what intuition is isn't something from within inside you but something from without uh, – something from outside you. There's people who think that there's something called the Akashic Record where there's this there's this library like a physical library on another plane of existence and that when you're having that intuition experience what that is is that's your consciousness going into this library which has a a recording of everything that's ever happened in the world and everything that's going to ever happen in the world and it's accessing that record to let you know what the outcome is going to be so you could actually train yourself to kind of access that library more often and then be able, and I, you know, I can't tell you how to do it. I don't know how, but there's people that will train you. And then when that happens, you'll be able to to call on intuition more often to help you make decisions. Now, what's the difference between the premonition? I don't think that there's any real difference in terms of where it's coming from. But I think that with a premonition, you're getting more of a, it's, it, you know, an intuition is a sense, is a feeling. A premonition is having something actually play out before you. So a premonition, you would actually see the future, say, and you would see what's going to happen, whereas intuition is kind of just the gut feeling. Yeah, all right. Okay, I'll be listening to you, hon. All right, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Take care. She's She's been a long-time listener of the show, going all the way back to... Uh, uh, all the way back to the early days, and and you know she calls in all the time during the daytime shows, and I was wondering if she's still listening to us, but I guess she is. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, everybody out there, you know, that uh, hasn't had the chance to call in in a long time, you probably want to do so. We have a whole other hour coming up uh, where you can call in and share your thoughts. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Let's let's get as weird and as woo as we want with some of these topics. Let's make it so that we can. Uh, talk about things that you can't talk about with other people any other time of the day or the week. That's what this show is all about. And when we come back on the other side, we can talk more about Steve Huff and the Kobe Bryant video. I'm sure some of you out there have thoughts on that. We'll also talk about this Zach Bagans thing that I was referencing earlier because, I I mean, listen, I don't know how much I can believe any of the parties involved with this, except I, I know, you know, this came about from a Kenny Biddle investigation those of you who heard kenny a few weeks ago on the show talking about the conjuring house and the real story of the conjuring house we got a lot of uh positive emails and comments and video comments and people saying you know that they really liked kenny's approach and they really liked the fact that he wasn't trying to take anybody down he was only trying to get the right information out there and so kenny is the guy that people will refer to when they 
have questions about the authenticity of things. And that's what happened this week. Somebody asked him to look into something that didn't feel right. And he did. <laughs> and the stuff that he came back with is, you know, controversial, but definitely interesting. It's interesting. And we'll talk about it. We're not making any accusations with it. Uh, but we'll just talk about what Kenny's research led him to believe and then some of the responses that happened to some of that. It's, so, it's funny. People in the chat room already know what you're talking about. Oh, I figured. I figured people would know because it's it was all over, all over Facebook, and it's only going, it's only growing oh, in absolutely. terms of the response to this. So uh, it'll certainly be something that will draw the interest of folks that even have a passing interest in this stuff. And it's it's an important thing to talk about because. When we're talking about the paranormal world, we're talking about a lot of regurgitation of other people's research. We're talking about a lot of utilizing stuff that other people have written or said in the past and kind of working it into our own. And so that's something you got to be careful of because when you do that, when you borrow something from somebody without giving them credit, you're stealing their work. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there's a, a very much a hyper awareness of that going on in the paranormal world and that's part of what is involved in this story so we're going to take a break when we come back on the other side we can talk about that we can also take more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500 and we will talk about before the end of the show i want to let you guys know how you can get involved in a tv program that i'm involved with and you know that i don't come on here and shill for television shows that are looking for stories i hate the fact that they reach out to us and try to get us to do all their work for them for nothing but I firmly believe in this show, and I think that it's really cool what they're doing. So I will share with you how they're looking for you to possibly share your story if you have a story that fits into the mold of what it is that they're looking for. And I think a lot of you out there probably do. So we'll talk about that and a whole bunch more coming up when Spooky South Coast comes back in just a short while. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? you love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. back our number two of spooky south coast tim weisberg here along with co-host tonight john brightman and remember all that talk i had at the beginning of the show about how we can't put certain things out over the air with the commercials we can't put them out. i mean we can't put them out over the stream because there could be licensed music in them and youtube could pull it and we have to be careful and all that well apparently over the break i streamed the commercials <laughs> but that's okay i heard them it didn't sound like there was anything in there that would that would uh, cause YouTube to pull a video down, but I can try and edit those out later. But, you know, that's just goes to show you. I make mistakes. I make a lot. That's. I hope that Keith doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> and think. I know that he runs uh, Spooky South Coast on, on the Dark Matter Digital Network, but I hope he doesn't listen to the things that I say on this show. Uh, and it's different. When you're building the studio at home from scratch, 
you have a much better understanding of things and the, you know, the automation program and all that kind of stuff here, it can be confusing. So, but uh, we are talking about the paranormal and we are taking your phone calls at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you need a toll-free line. And we will continue to do that. We're also going to talk in a little bit about the new allegations. And I guess that's what we have to call them because it's, you know, it's not just somebody pointing something out. Hey, this seems fishy to me. This seems weird. People should take a look into this. Kenny Biddle wrote an entire column, an entire post, uh, you know, blog, whatever he, he refers to his, his work as on his on his website. And I think, actually, I think it was for the, the magazine that he writes for. Mm-hmm. I'll have to pull it up to make sure that I'm talking correctly. So I don't think it was just something he did personally. I think he actually published it uh, where he made um, allegations of plagiarism against Zach Bagans for his new book, Ghost Hunting for Dummies. Just pausing to let that sink in. But the <laughs> the new book has, you know, some people up in arms about some of the stuff that's talked about in there and how familiar it sounds to some other publications. So we'll get into that coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's go to the phones. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good evening. Uh, I'm calling. Uh, my son's having a problem in his apartment. He just moved in there the late summer. And uh, I think around November it started. He was in his living room, and he was sitting down, and he heard this big stomp and like, boots. Four times he ran, got to the door, nobody was there. Well, it happened again when his girlfriend was over. They both got up and ran and looked. Nobody was there. Then her daughter came to the house one day, and he's got uh, two bedrooms. One, he has collectibles, and he has this big vanity mirror. She said, I'm going to go in and take a a selfie in front of the mirror uh, of, of me. Well, all of a sudden she starts screaming and screaming. She ran out. She couldn't breathe. They tried to kill you know, calm her down to see what's going on. She said, I was taking a picture, and all of a sudden, above my head was a rosary. Hmm. So, and then now, after that, he's got a closet in his bathroom. The house can be real warm. You open that closet, and it's ice cold. And then uh, just happened uh, this, this last weekend, he got up at 5.30 to go to work in the morning. He got up, he shut the alarm clock off. He put his feet on the floor, he got up. And the front of his mattress came all the way up, and he flipped his girlfriend right on the floor. So we know there's something there. So before this happened, he went downstairs because when he rented the apartment, he uh, they they knew one of the uh, the people, the the landlord's uh, wife. They knew both of the the wife, and uh, they rented it. So when this happened, they went downstairs. He says, "I think I got a ghost in my house." And they both looked at each other. Says, "Yeah, we know." But we didn't say anything because we, we figured you wouldn't rent it. Hmm. So I just gave them this Friday uh, two two pairs of rosary bees, bees. They're blessed. And it was a chain with uh, the Virgin Mary on. It was blessed. I said, hang them on the door, in the back of your doors in the two, the two bedrooms. And he hung the other one in that bathroom uh, closet, which is always cold. And I asked him, well, he says, you know, the bathroom closet isn't as cold as it was, but he had run uh, his uh, video camera. He left it going in that room, and he finally came to look at it. And he says something went across the room, and when it did, it changed the whole color of the whole like lighting of that room. 
So I says, I don't know what you do. They saged the house, but they didn't open the windows. I think they should have opened the windows and saged the house. I think that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a few questions, if you, yeah. if you don't mind. Sure. Um, first of all, what, what town is this in? New Bedford. Okay. Uh, second of all, you're talking about this closet that uh, will be cold in the rest of the house. Yes. Where in proximity to the outside wall is that closet? I don't know. I haven't been to his house. Okay. So that's he, something he, I'd just be worried about. Is it just in a spot where there's no insulation, but there's, you know, it's close to the outside? Or, you know, if it's in the middle yeah. of the house, that's a little bit more concerning. Yeah. Um. So, and it's an older an older house. I think it is. It's uh, yeah. It's, I think it's an older house. It's only a two tenement. And in fact, I think it was this past Wednesday they were sitting at table, and they heard this bang. It sounded like it came from the heating system, but it shook the whole table when they were sitting at it. I said, "Gee, something that 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 loud would shake it." He says, "Ma, it went boom, and then the whole we had our hands on the table. It just vibrated." So I don't know what to do. I said, maybe you should get a priest and maybe bless the house or something. It is something is there. It's, you know, especially when the mattress in the front came up. He says, Ma, you think I'm crazy? It came up, and then my girlfriend fell out of bed. She was, I guess, at the edge. She fell right out of bed. She yelled at him. She says, what's the matter with you? What the heck are you doing? He said, I didn't do anything. Right, he probably got up the same way he does every other time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so I don't know. I thought maybe if it gets real bad, I'm going to have to maybe have them maybe go to a church and see if they can bless the house or something. So, uh, is it south end, north end, west end? It's uh, it's in the west end. Okay. Um, I'll tell you, it's it's a, it's right beside the Parker School on Park Street. Is that called Park, Park Street? Yeah, Park Street. Okay, <clears throat> yep. He can, you can walk out of his house and into the school. It's right beside it. Okay, so... Uh, what I would say that is if he would like to have somebody check it out, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're not spooky. South coast isn't a paranormal investigation group, mm-hmm. but we work with a lot of groups, yes. uh, especially ones locally in the area. Okay. And, and I have one that I work with and trust with right in new Bedford. Okay. So we could actually set it up so that he could have them come in and, and, and conduct an investigation to see if they can find anything. Is there a number he can call? The best way to do it would be to call here at WBSM during the week and ask for me. Tim okay. Weisberg, or you can email me, uh, Tim at WBSM.com. is probably the easiest one uh, to give him. You don't have a computer. He doesn't. So it's Tim Weinberg? Yeah, Tim Weisberg. Weisberg. Yep. And then okay. if you ask for me, I'm here during the week, you know, usually from about 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. Okay, I'll, I'll tell him that. We need some kind of help here. Sure. I know he ain't crazy, because we did have a ghost in Mattapoise that living with us many years ago. No, oh, really? And we, oh, yeah, we're used to that. We lived in the corner of Maine and Route 6, mm-hmm. and that used to be an old captain's house. But it sounds like what you lived with there wasn't causing the kind of problems no, that this it was, is. No, it actually was like, it was a little girl. And uh, they said that uh, she had, like, Down syndrome. And then years ago, they would hide them, I guess, you know, when people would come over. Cause yeah. That was an embarrassment. Well, she was more attached to my daughter. When we moved over there, she was eight years old, my daughter. And the first night we, lay, we, we were there... My daughter slept downstairs in the bedroom. We had bedrooms upstairs and downstairs. She had downstairs, and she's, she's, the cat was on the corner of her bed, and it started hissing. And she was laying down. She felt like she, somebody bent over her, and she could feel like somebody near her face, and she couldn't move. She, was, she couldn't scream. She couldn't move. She was so scared. And then she says she looked out into the – there's a door that goes into my kitchen where we cook. And she looked out, and she says, oh, 
I'm so glad it's almost it's almost uh, morning because you could see like a little light light, and then when she looked back, it was all black again, and mm-hmm. then she could hear the silverware in my uh, drawers like tinkling around and all that. We had an organ that went on, and it, uh, and it was playing by itself over there. I hung a, an electric heater on the, in my kitchen, and that thing was plugged in on off, and that went on by itself. But she wasn't. If it was her, she wasn't fresh. She just was mischievous. Yeah, you and know? there's a big difference between that and yeah. and something trying to you know knock you out of bed. And, well, that, and... that's what that's when he was starting to get concerned now. You know, so okay, I'll tell him to call. All right, and we'd appreciate anything. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. See, that's the way when this show started. Uh, you know, fourteen years ago now. When we started, right? No. And longer than oh. that. Yeah, 14. Yeah, 14 years 14? ago. 2006, yep. We just had our 14th anniversary last week, and I'm already forgetting that. For some so, reason, I was thinking it was 15 or 16. No, 2006. Okay. Um, when we started doing this show, we would get calls from people, that local people that were having paranormal issues. And we just haven't gotten as many calls over the years. And I, th- you know, I think part of that is we usually come in with a, a guest and a planned topic. So maybe we do need to have more of these open line shows so that people can call in and share. But if anybody out there is ever having a, a paranormal problem locally that they're concerned with and you want some help, you want some answers, you can always email me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com or Tim at WPSM.com and reach out to me that way or you can call the station during the week and uh, and get a hold of me that way and i will make sure that i can find somebody because the great thing about doing this for this long and being so involved in the paranormal world in this area is we've made all these great connections with people so folks will say oh tim can you come and investigate my house i I don't usually do that and the reason why i don't usually do that is because my schedule isn't very conducive to that. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's going to take me three or four months before I can plan a night off that I can actually go and do it. And then by that time, things could be far worse or you they could go away completely. Extra, you don't have extra time that you can just... I have no... But it's not even just that. <laughs> it's the fact that I think a person who comes to your house and offers you the service of a paranormal investigation mm-hmm. needs to now be available to you for follow-up after. Oh, absolutely. And and that's why I would never want to get in a position where, okay, I can come on Wednesday and investigate, but then when you call me back on Sunday and you're having another problem, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. see you for four yeah. months. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that I don't want to get into. So I always refer cases to other groups that we trust. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I can go along, I will. But generally, I usually leave the residential cases to other people. I, I'm I'm not always comfortable just going into other people's houses. Yeah. So it's just and 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 I feel really weird not only going into somebody's house, but now you have to be pretty invasive when you go into their house and you're investigating. Like if I came come into your house and I need to conduct a paranormal investigation, I'm opening up your medicine cabinet and I'm seeing what you're taking, because people say what's the most important book a paranormal researcher can have. Is it, you know, a Hans Holzer book? Is it a, you know, a Jeff Belanger or Chris Balzano book? No. It's ghost hunting for dummies. No, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> no, it's it's the big book of pills. That's the most important book for a paranormal investigator to have because you need to ask somebody that asks you to come and investigate what they're taking. Mm-hmm. And then you need to see what all the possible side effects are <laughs> and, true. and what can happen when they cross some of those medications. But anyway, that's, that's a whole other story. Uh, if we want to get into... Uh, so there's there's a, a, a comment here in the 
chat room that this must be a volunteer radio station if they let personal calls in during work hours. Yeah, it's I, called business. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, and and I work far more than the 40 hours that I'm paid for here. So if I take five minutes to help a, a, a listener yeah. with a problem, do you know what I do here, John? Do you know what my role is here? I thought you take care of, I thought you do like, you know, website stuff. Yeah, and, I'm, in, I'm in charge of all the digital stuff. Yeah. Do you know what a lot of that involves? When people Talking can't figure out public. when people can't figure out how to download their app, I'm the guy they call. Yeah. When people can't figure out how to get their Alexa to play WBSM, <laughs> I'm the guy that they call. So if I can take five minutes to help somebody with that, I can take some five minutes to help somebody who's scared to live in their own home. Anyway, so you had mentioned the, the ghost hunting for dummies book. We talked about this a little bit before. Kenny Biddle started the ball rolling with this well actually what happened was he was reached out he was contacted by a friend of his who asked him if he'd read the book and i'm, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit and hopefully i don't get anything wrong i could open up the post and see but um, i don't i don't like to to read and talk to you at the same time so what would happen is you know if you're in that position that he's in, people are going to reach out to him and say, hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you seen He's not going to be able to stay up on everything. Yeah. And as he said, I believe in his post, he really probably wouldn't pick up that book if people he didn't did. have a reason to. Yeah. So somebody reached out and said, have you seen this yet? He said, no, I haven't. So he picked up a copy. He, you know, he ordered a copy online, got it delivered, and he started going through it, and he started picking up on the familiarity of some of the, the, the text and the prose that was in this book. And he said the first thing that he noticed is that there wasn't a lot of annotations in this book and citations, which is kind of out of the realm of the usual for some of these, you know, four dummies or complete idiots guide to type books. They usually have an index and they have, you know, annotations and all that kind of stuff. And when that kind of set off some alarms for him, and then he noticed that there was these little, you know, if you've ever gotten like a four dummies book, they have these these different categories of things that they point out. Like some of them might be tips and tricks. Some of them might be like the author says, you know, he noticed that there wasn't a lot of those references either. So that kind of stands out as like, well, then how invested was the person writing the book and putting the book out? But he started to, to figure out, and, and the person that had reached out to him said the same thing, that a lot of the, the prose was familiar and, and seemed like it had come from other places. So all you have to do to check for plagiarism, all you have to do is take some of the text and put it into Google in quotation marks, and, see it. and if it comes up on another site, you'll see it right away. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is they were finding remarkably similar almost word for word copies from other websites and so kenny wrote this article about how you know it seemed like large portions and he still he, you know he admitted he hadn't gone through the whole book yet but there was already enough evidence of that that he felt comfortable in writing an article accusing zach bagans of plagiarism now people don't understand exactly what plagiarism is and I'm not saying this from a position of authority. I'm saying this from a position of, as one of those people, we don't understand always mm. what plagiarism is. To me, it's, I've always thought plagiarism is if you wrote a book and I took word for word 
your book and changed a couple little sentences and made it mine, that's what plagiarism is. So, so plagiarism is taking anybody else's thoughts and ideas and claiming it as your own. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is, is because it's so loosely defined as a legal term, there's not, uh, I can't give you a how not to plagiarize handbook. But there are some hard and fast rules about it. If you're going to take somebody else's work and use it word for word, you cite them, you quote them. So you wrote a book, John. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to write an article about the book that you wrote and I wanted to say, here's my book review of, of, you know, not only um, my thoughts on it, but I kind of want to give people an idea of what the, the, the book is about, I might pull some quotes from that. I might pull a paragraph from that to kind of give people a little excerpt from that. Now, if you're going to excerpt a book in length, you usually have to get permission from the publisher. Yep. But, you know, if I want to put a couple of sentences or whatever, then I would just take that out and I would put it in the story and I would say, you know, from the book or I would quote the book or what have you. But the problem that people have is that they don't realize that even doing that, there's only a certain amount that you can take before it becomes plagiarism. Even though you cited them, even though you gave them credit, you can only take a certain amount before it, it gets to be plagiarism. Now, how much is that amount? It's what feels right. Yeah. And so if you're writing a 500-word a, a article, and out of those 500 words, 300 of those words are a direct quote, even if it's cited from the other source, that's going to be considered plagiarism because a major part of that work was not your own. So that's where we get into a lot of like issues uh, with citations and with, with quoting and all that stuff that even though you've done it, it's still not a hundred percent where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That would be one thing if that's what they were finding, you know, just kind of a basic non understanding of plagiarism. But this was, complete kind of some of these things word for word copied with no credit given at all. Now there's a lot of concepts that if you're writing a book called ghost hunting for dummies, (laughs) there's a lot of concepts that are just basic rudimentary things that we've all started just repeating and regurgitating over the years. John, what's a, how many different types of hauntings are there? Oh Jesus. There's three that I know of. And what are they? Um, residual. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of the second one. And then intelligent, uh, intelligent. Thank you. And then you know it could be demonic. If you uh, if, if you buy into demonic, yeah, demonic could, could be, be a demonic. third category. Yes. So what's a residual hunt? Give me residual was for me. It would be what I was told. You know, we'll use world. Uh, um, I don't know a war for instance. Somebody something from that time re rehappening over and over. So if you shot a cannon and you died while you were shooting a cannon. You're standing there shooting the cannon again over and over, and you're just doing the same thing. So, so you, all right, so you used an example. So, you actually took it as, you know, a different kind of a thought. Mm -hmm. But if you ask most people that are in this, just walk up to your common paranormal investigator. How many types of hauntings are there? Well, there's two types of hauntings. You know, they might say three if they believe in in the demonic. But, okay, what are they? Well, there's the residual haunting. Okay, well, what's a residual haunting? A residual haunting is a replay haunting. It's like a videotape on a loop that just keeps playing over and over again. Okay, so that phrase right there, a videotape that plays over and over again, most paranormal investigators would probably use that to explain to somebody that doesn't understand what an intel- uh, a residual haunt is. They would use that phrase to do it. 
okay. they don't know where that phrase came from. Yeah. But people have been using that phrase forever and ever and ever. But at one point, somebody said that first, and you're just taking their example and 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 using and it, using yeah. it. So a lot of the stuff that we say about paranormal stuff is just regurgitating what others have said before. So it's not uncommon then if you're reading a book for somebody's explanation of something to sound similar to something else uh, because we all kind of have these standby examples that we go to. But then it's a different story when it starts to become more word for word. So what ended up happening was Kenny wrote this article. He put it out there. It started to gain some buzz. I started to see some comments about it that I started to get a little bit uh, kind of skeptical of, we'll say. Mm -hmm. uh, there were comments about people who were like, well, you know, I'm not surprised that Zach would do this because, you know, Zach stole all, all of my research about a location. What? Yeah, well, the Zach con contacted me to talk to me about this location for an episode of the show and... Uh, you know, he, he stole all my, all my research and didn't give me credit on the show or didn't, you know, didn't interview me or anything. I'm like, just going to scratch my head because since episode one, the person that does that research is Jeff Belanger. And so if you're giving research to Zach, I don't believe you. So anyway, but that's, that's a whole different story. And, and I, I'd have to ask Jeff about that. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably speaking out of school a little bit, but it just seems odd to me. You know, like when somebody says to me, oh, I gave... You know, all the guys from the TWC, all that information before you went and filmed the episode in Cape May, New Jersey. Like, really? Because I did all the research for Cape May, New Jersey. But anyway, sometimes I think people just put themselves into the story. So you have to be careful with some of that because Zach is a guy who is going to be a target from a lot of people. But Kenny cited these examples and shared some of the original spots where they came from that gave him concern. But what ended up happening was one of the authors that Kenny claimed Zach was plagiarizing is Troy Taylor. And anybody who has worked in the paranormal world or, or been interested in paranormal books for a long time, you know the name Troy Taylor. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's anybody a very prolific writer. Uh, he's written, I believe he said he's written over 130 books, which, you know, we talked about <laughs> as, a, as, as a feat unto itself. But uh, Troy put up a, a post uh, on social media saying that um, it's actually being mischaracterized that he helped Zach with the research for the parts of the book that came from Troy's work and that it was, you know, blame him for the fact that they didn't cite anything that he should have known better than that. But at the same time, you know, he worked with Zach and Zach had his permission to use that stuff. And it was actually him writing that stuff for Zach to be able to include it into the mm -hmm. book. Listen, I'm not surprised at all if Zach is the author of a book, Ghost Hunting for Dummies, but it's actually a compilation of a lot of things that other people have helped to contribute to mm -hmm. him. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. If the author chooses to allow that to happen, to, to write stuff and have it... No, I mean, I've worked on people's books in the paranormal world mm -hmm. that I got no credit for. That nobody knows that I worked on the books at all, but I played a hand and some of it is, is my writing. I'm taking their thoughts and what the person that's writing, you know, it's like a ghostwriter job, really, yep. where you're taking what they want to say and, and helping them put it in the proper English, really. Um, 
And so that happens all the time. And, and so that wouldn't su surprise me or be an issue either. But I also don't know where I stand on this. I don't know Troy. Uh, I've respected his writing for a long time. I have many of his books. Ghost by Gaslight is one of my absolute favorite books of all time. I have no reason to doubt him. But at the same time, he has something to gain from an association with Zach too. So that's causing people to question whether or not he's, he's just defending Zach. Yep. So it's a, it's a whole quagmire right now of, of what's real and what isn't. Uh, I do know that based on Kenny's article, he submitted the evidence that he had for plagiarism to the publisher of the book. And they are supposedly, from the way that they respond to him, they are looking into it. They said that they take these allegations very seriously and that they are looking into it. But the comment that they made was that if there are no proper citations and there should be, then what they would probably end up doing is adding those citations to the online version, the ebook, and to also add it into any future printings. Really? So the entire first printing will be out there with plagiarism in it. Mm. If they decide and, and if, if their own investigation proves that plagiarism was a case, was part of the case. So that means you're going to knowingly allow these plagiarized books to be out there. Yeah. Now, I don't know what's the, what's the alternative. Are you going to return that book at your local bookstore and get a copy back with proper citations? That's not going to happen. No. But, why, why would somebody bother doing that? Right. But the And then also, like, if you pull these books, then everybody that has one, it just goes up in value. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, I, I realize that they're up against a, a wall, but at the same time, it's kind of a hard thing. It's, it's, it's almost like you would want to say, Okay, any ones that are sold are sold, but any ones that are still on the shelves have to come back. But anyway, that's that's for them to decide and for them to figure out. I know that, I can tell you this, the world of those manual, how-to manual books, they've been after Zach for a decade to write one of those books. Because I was asked in 2000, I'd have to go back and look, but it was probably... I think Ghosts of the South Coast had come out, but I hadn't written Haunted Objects yet. So we're talking like 2010, 11. And what happened was uh, somebody had reached out to a number of my author friends asking for them to write The Complete Idiot's Guide to Ghost Hunting, <laughs> which is a whole series of books, The Complete Idiot's Guide. Uh, and then somehow it ended up in the hands of Chris Balzano as being the next potential writer for it. Chris Balzano wrote, uh, picture yourself ghost hunting, mm -hmm. which disqualifies him from being able to write another similar book. So he had suggested me, and I was actually talking with a literary agent about the possibility of taking on this book. And the publisher the whole time was really pushing. Like, you know, we really would love to have Zach Bagans write this. We really would like to have Jason Hawes write this. Like, they're, they're really pushing for either Zach or mm -hmm. Jason to be the author of this book. And so it dawned on me pretty quickly that what they really wanted was they thought that I would be able to connect them, connect them with, with one of those two, two people. And, and you probably could have, but why? Why would I? <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm an author. You're looking for an author. I'll write Let's it for talk. you. Yeah. You don't want me as your author. Do your own work. Find yep. your own guy. It's, like, it goes right back to the TV shows. Do your own work if you, if you want to find research. So, but they've been trying to get one of these books going for a long time. So I can't believe that it took this long for it to happen, but I I would hope that everything was done on the up and up and that all of this is just 
a misunderstanding. At the same time, like Kenny's pretty good at doing this research. So we'll have to wait and see what happens if some of the other people uh, and the other writers that he claimed have been plagiarized, what they come, come forward, forward and say. And say if they come forward and say, we gave Zach our permission and this is the, then it all comes down to one simple thing. The, 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 the for dummies company has to kind of change the way that they, they cite these things mm-hmm. when they happen. Uh, and, and Kenny wrote in his piece, it seems like the book was rushed. And I've read in other places, it seems like the book was rushed. It doesn't, it's not the same as other four dummies books. Uh, so maybe that was it. Maybe they were just trying to get it out quickly for the holiday season. And this kind of fell by the wayside. And they said, you know what? We're not going to spend the time to cite and quote and all that kind of stuff because we can just get the book out faster. But I just want to make everybody aware of it. I feel like, you know, when, when there's hot topics in the paranormal world, that's what this show was for is to bring them to people. Before we go back to the calls, one more quick thing. I had mentioned that the television show that I just filmed is looking for cases. And as you mentioned, John, you know, they reach out to us all mm-hmm. the time. They say, hey, I'm such and such from this show. And we're looking for anybody that's had a paranormal experience. Can you do us a favor? Can you reach out to your network of people and tell us if there's anybody out there that that has a story to share? And generally, when... People have reached out to the to to me to do that. I have said no mm-hmm. because I don't feel like this platform should be used to help them fill their show. Now the opposite side of that is there's people that are listening to their show that have a story to tell that have no idea how to connect with those television people to be able to tell their story. So I want to make sure that they would have that opportunity as well. So if somebody sends me one of those things, I might put a post on Facebook or on our website or something and say, people are looking for, you know, these producers are looking for this type of, and, and by doing it, I don't feel like I have to vouch for the company Mm -hmm. anyway, because what inevitably happens is these companies reach out to us. They ask us for cases. We give them cases. They put the cases on TV People are not happy with the way that their story is portrayed. I can tell and then you it that comes firsthand. back on Spooky South Coast or John Brightman in any PR because you, you're yep. the ones that told them to, to tell my story. Oh, it happened to me firsthand. I saw it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and Besides that one. Right. I don't, but I know it's yeah. been happening for years. But like just the one a couple of weeks ago, watching that, I'm like, well, that's what happens when you film. You're at their mercy. Yep. So No, it is. I've been very careful about you know who I would recommend. But this production company that i just worked with uh, very very thoughtful people uh really want to do this show right because they realize they don't need to play any of those stupid games because the stories that they're going to get from people are so genuine that they don't need to manipulate things and make anything worse plus it also helps when you know you're only making eight or ten episodes yes you don't have to push as hard to get a story on the air as if you're making 22 episodes where now, you know, a small story that might not be that fantastical, you're trying to stretch that out more. When you only have eight stories to tell, you can tell the eight best stories that you have. So this show, it's about, and I, I haven't received word back about how much I can talk about, but I can say this, it will be on, I think it's called the T and E channel in Canada and it will be on the travel channel in America. It is about, paranormal uh it's about people that have paranormal experiences in hotels the first season they just wrapped up filming of it they already have been greenlit for season two because the networks i guess liked the stuff that they were seeing already 
So with that in mind, they're looking for stories to feature in season two. So if you've ever had an experience in a hotel, it could be that you were staying in the hotel. It could be that you owned the hotel. Uh, it could be that you maybe now own a business that used to be a hotel. But if it's any kind of paranormal experience or story that's related to a hotel or a motel mm-hmm. or a bed and breakfast or any of those kind of things, reach out to me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Tell me your story, and I can put you in touch with these producers. The only catch is I know we have a lot of paranormal investigators that listen to the show or people that have gone on ghost hunting events. It can't be that. Mm-hmm. It can't be something that happened to you on an investigation. It can't be something that happened to you when you were purposely looking for it to happen. They just and, and even paranormal investigators, you stay in a lot of hotels, John. You also do a lot of investigations. You know that sometimes when you're least expecting least it, least expect it. and you least want it, yep. you'll get back to your hotel room after a ghost hunt somewhere else. I, I was just going to bring that up. I had a, a one time and a, something happened when I went with Jay. Pause. He took me up snowmobiling at his hotel, the a motel that he owned mm-hmm. up there, the Spalding Inn. And it was only his family up in their rooms, and I was in one of the main rooms down in the hallway. And I'm not going to give it away over the, over the radio, but um, literally something happened, and nobody else was in the hotel. They were up there in their suites sleeping. I was way down in the other area, and something happened. So I wasn't expecting it. We weren't looking at it. Yes, I know it is a... A haunted location, sure. but I wasn't there looking for that. Mm-hmm. I was there on vacation for a weekend to go snowmobiling. And and some of these stories start off with people saying like, "Hey, I walked in and I asked them for the most haunted room." Yep. You know, so that does happen. But uh, one other thing that I want to point out about this before people are sending me their experiences and, <laughs> and sharing them, the I, I talked about how I feel like the show is doing everything on the up and up. But one thing that they're not doing is necessarily naming the places where these things have happened. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that being is they just don't want it to turn into a commercial for a hotel that's selling, you know, a haunted experience or something. So that's really good, actually. They're they're, they're trying to keep it somewhat generic. So if you're if you're going to try and you know write in and 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 you might, st- you know, I see you know Colleen is saying she might have a few, and I know that most of her experiences are probably from the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. They might say to you, "Sorry, we're not interested in the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast because there's yep. no way to cover that story without it." being known to be the Lizzie Boyd yeah. in Bed and Breakfast. So don't feel like they're trying to be shady with that. Yep. I think they're actually just trying to keep it, uh, you know, I, I feel it keeps the integrity of the show and turns it from being a a commercial for haunted places. Mm-hmm. So not that there's anything wrong with a commercial for haunted places, but it might make people less interested in the product if they feel like that's what it is. You know, like a lot of times you watch some of these uh, shows where they go out to eat in these different restaurants and you know that it's going to drive huge attendance at those restaurants now. You know, the, I think maybe they're, they're just trying to keep it from being that kind of a, a format. All right, 508-996-0500. We have a few minutes remaining. We can take some calls. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, Tim. How's it going? Good. This is Mark. I, I, uh, I, you recognize the voice? Yeah, I've been wondering what's been going on. <laughs> okay, well, uh, this is an update. I spoke with uh, two people of the, uh, the sweepstakes that I hit, mm-hmm. and uh, collection day is going to be Monday on two of them. Okay. And uh, the one I think I already told you about was the uh, Hawaiian Powerball. Yep. And and 
out of that one. Um, I know for a fact it's going to be uh, twenty million. And the second one, which I'm going to pick up in the afternoon, is about eight and a half million. That's a and pretty good I, day's and work. And then, then I've got numerous other ones that I've hit that I'm going to have to collect later on in the week. So uh, toward the end of the week, uh, we'll be coming by with a celebration. <laughs> All right. Now these are these are sweepstakes. A lot. You know, these are uh, lotteries that you've won without playing. Oh no! I um, I did play the Powerball, but I didn't. I think the drawing might have been in Hawaii. I thought there was only one Powerball there across is only the country. One Powerball. Well, there is, but I think what they do is they whatever um, where they draw it. I think is the um, is like what they call. Well, and, then, and I'll tell, they'll explain I'll to you more. I'm sure when you pick up the check. Well, the thing of it is too is, uh, and and they notify you by phone. Because they called my cell phone four times, and it was Honolulu, Hawaii, and I said, I don't know anybody, so I'm not going to pick it up. The fifth notification was a text, and it said, congratulations, you have won the $400 million Powerball. So I knew it was legit because that's how they notify you by telephone. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, because I just saw a news story come out from one of the local, uh, one of the, I think it was... <sighs> I want to make sure I get it right. It might have been Seekonk or Dighton. One of the local police departments just sent out a, a press release saying that there is a lottery scam going around where they're texting you and congratulating you and telling you that you won and you have to call back this number and that it's it's definitely a scam. Oh, there are, there are some of those out there. But the thing of it is, like with this and the, the sweepstakes that I won, now I don't know how to get to their websites. Like I, I don't know how to get to the Powerball website. It's just powerball.com. Uh, I don't know if it is, but it shows all, it lists all the names, addresses, and phone numbers of the people that won on the web. Well, it doesn't so, list the yeah, um, addresses and phone numbers. It'll uh, list their name. Yeah, it does, because that's how I was scammed, because they had these, the scammers go on, they see your name, address, and phone number, and then what they do is some of them will try to get you by mail some of them will call you and identify themselves as a representative of that sweepstakes. And then once they start with, cause I, I dealt with a lot of scammers over like the past three years. And the only good thing that saved me was all the money that I sent out. It didn't go out of the country because if I had sent out, I, I also got a lot of calls from Jamaica, which those are the scammers. If you, if I had sent out any of my money to, to Jamaica, I would have lost it all. But where I sent money to any anywhere that went, it went to the United States. I'm getting all that money back, which that was the. Um, I think I told you about a lawsuit I had. The uh, it was 114 million 180 thousand. Mm -hmm. Well, that lawsuit was part of that. Like the initial initial initiation of that was the uh, 10000 that I lost in sending money out over the past three years. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Powerball site right now, and, yeah, they, they will say the name of the person that won and the town and state in which they live in, but that's all the information they're giving. They're not putting any street addresses or phone numbers. That would that would be insanity. Yeah. Yeah, but you see, what they do is they've got the – you said they got the name, city, and town? 
Yeah, right. That's that's all they need. Then they got to then that's all the scammers well, need. Then sure, they get yeah. The then they then they can go through other sources and try to get the information. I mean, obviously, anybody that ever wins the the lottery, the first thing you should do is you know change your phone number and and try and find all the places where your address is listed. <laughs> yeah. And you know, oh, yeah. it's not just the scammers you got to watch out for. It's those relatives that you don't <laughs> exactly. even want to talk to. So, well, we get some other calls stacked up, Mark, but definitely keep us uh, up to date with what's going on with it and, and let us know. And if oh, I absolutely, like I say, I, I got a lot of uh, a lot of personal stuff because, uh, as you know, I told you, uh, my dad passed away. Yeah, sorry, so, sorry uh, again. We got uh, I got this house to uh, buy up because we got into a jam with this. So this is one of the first things I'm going to be doing is buying up this house and putting all the bills in my name so that we can hang on to the house because my mother was worried about losing the house. So we're uh, that's going to be number one, but. We'll be in contact toward the end of the week, and hopefully I can get uh, Taylor and maybe I can uh, crash Ken Pittman's show on Saturday and uh, see if uh, I can give you guys a little more information. But the top information I can give people right now is if you get anything in the mail, hang on to it and go to either, like, the Justice Department or the Police Department. Because uh, usually in the mail where they scam, they stop the scam you. Well, hey, I'll know you're here if I see that classic Malibu out front, right? Oh, you know, it, well, it's not it's not a classic, but I what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down with something a little more inconspicuous. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> okay, have a good one, Tim. Take care, Mark. We'll be, yeah, we'll be talking. Take, have, have a good one. So, yeah, hey, we'll keep everybody up to date with that. People keep wanting to know. They want updates with what's going on. So we try and make sure we can uh, provide that to people. We, we've we hit the end of the show. We'll go a few minutes over, though, because we've got some calls stacked up. So uh, we'll try and run through these. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hello, you're on the air? No, Once, twice. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. I guess I'm the last one, huh? No, there's one more after you, so... Oh, jeez. So, the one thing I wanted to say about Zach is I know he likes to collect haunted stuff. Has he ever thought about collecting Ted Bundy's uh, Volkswagen bug or maybe, uh, you know, like John Wayne Gacy's clown outfit? So, it, he's actually... He actually just got Ed Gein's cauldron. Cauldron not that long ago and i just found out today when i was speaking to somebody earlier that there's a chance that he's going after um the tupac car that tupac got shot and killed in it's up for auction right now and supposedly he's going after it that's just amazing the fact that yeah i'll leave that at that (laughs) that's interesting you know it's funny because uh i know this is probably kind of tongue-in-cheek but like you know, Steve Huff, he's had all these celebrities come over, but, like, you know, Neil from Rush just passed away. Like, did, like, did he get any feedback from that? Like, was it just drumming, or was it speak, or did he not get yeah. anything at all? Well, because there's the problem is how many Neil Peart interviews are there for him to pull audio from to be exactly. able to, you know, he was a notoriously reclusive guy. Yeah. So exactly. he's not going to have as much audio to work with, and, and people who are Rush fans... I mean, let's face it. Rush fans are some of the most uh, dedicated yeah, diehard and, fans, and they'll they'll know when they hear oh, it. Yeah. They'll be like, "Oh, that was from this interview. I remember that yep. interview very clearly because he gave so many few interviews." So it's harder to do that when you're dealing with a guy like Kobe Bryant. 
you know, there's tons of of, of even interviews. little snippet news clips. Yep, tons of stuff all over exactly. YouTube that you can pull out to use. And and some people are speculating that's why it took him, you know, four days or five days, whatever it was, when normally it only takes him a, a day or two. Uh, and of course, he he does it in the first day or two because he's trying to take advantage of all those YouTube searches that people are looking right after somebody died. So when you type into YouTube, Kobe Bryant dead, you know, you want his, he wants to make sure that his video is one of the first things that pops up. So it, I was surprised that it took him that long to put it all together, but also, you know, it, it could have been, cause if you look at the video and I did watch it, I'm sorry to say, you know, not all the statements are all that great. And it, he has to build the narrative around the clips that he's pulling. So I think it took a little bit extra work to be able to do that with Kobe because a lot of his conversations aren't going to be about life. They're going to be about basketball. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to take somebody talking about a game and turning that into, you know, the, the, the type of stuff that Huff puts out. It's a very good point. I just He just better hope that Gene Simmons never gets wind of this because he'll probably try to patent it and he'll owe Kiss money. <laughs> Entirely possible. <laughs> Very good. All right, Ross. Thanks, thanks for the call. No problem. Have a great night. All right. Take, take care. Right. And uh, we will try and close it out with this one last call. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. What's up, Playboy? Hey, man. You so do sound I, better. Well, I think you sound awfully nice yourself, young man. Thank you. So, so this, uh, Mr. Brightman, do, do you think he looks like James Hatfield, the lead singer from Metallica? He, he, he does. He does a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a brother too. Okay, just let you know, just John, just let you know. I know what I'm talking about. But you, I remember when he was. Uh, they would let him get. A, they thought he was a terrorist. They would let him get on board that um, uh, board plane. You remember it was in? Uh, it was in. Uh, it was in England. They were supposed to be performing in England. They wouldn't get on the plane, and it's because they say look like a terrorist. So, huh. you know. I can see the resemblance with you and that terrorist look, but that's okay, though. You know? <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. It's terrible. Look, so, so um, I, I can, I've got I've got a few real good stories that I uh, personal stories with um, with Kobe Bryant. So, shall I share one with you right sure, now? Sure, share share one with us, and we'll we'll end on that. All right. The last time that I seen him, all right, he was here. Um, it was eight. It was it was uh, 2018. It was for the. Um, he was in town for the. For the G, the G League, you know the G League they have here, the, mm -hmm. the, you know for the, the D League. I mean, so he was here, and I saw him. I said, "Hey, you want to go to the movies?" So he came and went to go see Spider Man, the Spider Man, the Homecoming, not this new one, came out the one before. And so, yeah, that's what it was. So um, I invited him to the movie. I saw him. I said, "You want to go?" So he came to the movie. He snuck in. And he likes to be all inconspicuous. So um, after the movie, it was a good movie. So after the movie, I was outside, and there was this young girl. She was all liquored up, she was all drunk, and these two MS MS thirteen guys were trying to pull her, trying to get her to go with them. This she kept saying, "No, no, I don't know you guys. Give me back my phone. Give me my purse." And I said, "Hey, I walked up to them. And said, Would you leave her alone?" They walked. They were about, came up like they wanted to nut up on a brother. And all of a sudden, Kobe came up behind me and said, "Hey, what's up? You having problems with my mom?" No, Kobe, this. About to lay the smack down these motherfuckers. I'm popping well, people. Well, all right. I did say something else. So I said, these motherfuckers. Hit the dump button. <laughs> yeah, I had to hit the dump button okay. on that. Okay. okay. I had to represent a rap. Okay, so like I said, and it was just thinking, the, the MS-13 guys could have got their butts kicked by me and Kobe. That would have been off the chain. But I tell you, he's, he's a wonderful guy. He was really nice. And I've, I've got three daughters myself. I got a ton. So, you know, you have... Nothing much more important than 
being a father and raising your girls and making sure that they know what girl power is and being right about that. Right. And so when we first heard Ed and his I said, I was talking to the dude. It's a wonderful thing. It's wonderful. I wish my kids were still small. I feel like crying sometimes. I remember when I was like Superman. Now I'm just the man. So it's like, but it's all right, though. I told him just to enjoy them and let them be who they want to be, but make sure you keep God in your life. Because a lot of these, a lot of these people around the, around the world and all these people dealing with paranormal stuff don't have God in their life. And it's like, that's one of the worst things. I, if I can give anybody kind of any great advice, which is all, usually my advice is always good. And uh, I tell them, so you need to, if you, the biggest thing is keep God in your life. And if you know people that like to use God's name in vain, saying GD, you know, the GD word, or like that, you need to stay away from them. That's, that right there is one of the biggest signs that somebody's got something demonic oppression or possession, you know, or being some kind of influence in their life. And if somebody, you know, says in the Bible, if you use the name in vain, then you're just as guilty. If you don't say something to, to somebody and they're using their, his God's name, his name in vain, you're just as guilty as them. And, like, you know, I've done enough dirt in my time. I'm not trying to go to hell for nobody else. Like I said, I'm trying not to go to hell, period, and keep them 100. But, I, like I said, I told them, I told them, and this, I've seen that you can see, take and judge your character of a person. A lot of people, they talk like that. A lot of times they don't respect their parents, their elders, and stuff like that. And that's, especially these youngsters, I mean, geez, I didn't say my first curse word until I was, like, in the eighth grade. And that was because of Greg Anthony. It was his fault. But I'm not, <laughs> I remember I when you like, said your last one. Yeah, well, yeah. Your most recent. Uh, well, I don't know about that. Say, how's that, Spaniel? All right, we're going to have to let you go there because we got we got to cut the show off. But thanks for the call, Lamone, and, oh, oh, and thanks for sharing thing. that memory. Yes. One more thing. You, uh, you said something to Michelle about uh, who you want as a guest. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought you said I was going to be one of your first guests. player. What's up with that, buddy? The the audience overwhelmingly uh, d- denied that request. <laughs> no, they didn't. They said they said. Free OJ, I'm let Lamone on. That's the next thing. <laughs> let Lamone on, yeah. I actually got so, some people said they would cancel their subscriptions if we ever did that. So, <laughs> got to serve the come, audience, you know. Then come me and I'll fill their prescription. Okay. Hey. <laughs> all right. Have a good one, Lamone. Talk play to, on, player. Talk to you good, next week. Uh, much love to all my all my spooky South Coast clan out there. Keep it light. Play it light. Take it. Take it all. May the good Lord keep it close tonight. Yeah, all right. Gotta go. Take Bye. it easy. Bye. All right, that is uh, the one and only Lamone, and uh, you know he. Normally, you know, we try to keep calls limited to one show, one call per show. But he had mentioned in the chat room uh, that he had some Kobe personal stories that he wanted to share, and you know we had to cut him off because his phone was going uh, in <laughs> reverse direction pretty quickly. So we thought we'd make sure that we could let that story get told, and it's a you know nice way to end it. So uh, that will do it for this week's show. Thank you everybody for tuning in. If you've ever missed a past episode of Spooky South Coast, I know that we're talking about Midnight in the Desert and becoming a time traveler and being a subscriber to that. All of the Spooky South Coast archives are available for free. Uh, because we are lucky enough that we can use WBSM to produce it, so we don't have to pay all the bills ourselves. So you can get all of those from wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we have uh, hundreds of YouTube videos, too, because we started doing this video stream a few years ago, so we've got all those as well. So you can check that out however you want to consume the show. It's all there for you. If you want to reach out at any point in time to us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SpookySC. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. And if you are not already tuning into Midnight in the Desert uh, during the course of the week, hopefully you will do that. We have a great week planned for you. I think tomorrow, 
uh, we might reveal the upcoming week's slate of guests in the Midnight Society Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook and you search Midnight in the Desert with Tim Weisberg, there's a page there for you to follow. That's the official page for the show. But there's also a Facebook group, and it's a, a great group of people that I've been referring to as the Midnight Society. If you join up in that group, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be sharing stuff in there. We'll be talking about uh, there's a book club that we're going to be starting in there every month as well. Uh, but the Midnight in the Desert with Tim Weisberg Facebook page, which is the official page for the show, tomorrow we might be revealing the uh, the full guest lineup for the week, which is a way, yes. different way of doing it. In the past, they've always waited till the end of one show to announce the guest on the next show. We figure this way people can plan their, their week a little mm -hmm. better so that if they have to stay up late one night to hear a show or maybe they were going to go to the movies on Thursday but they want to stay home and listen to the show live, you know, we can kind of help them schedule things a little bit better. So again, thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for John, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>